All right, what a blessing to be able to share this time together with all of you. I'm so excited because we're making our way to Easter. This is what the church has historically referred to as Palm Sunday. Uh, that was the day, if you study the Gospels, that they welcomed Jesus into the streets of Jerusalem, waving palms and crying out with loud hosannas, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. And it was a very special moment. What we also know is that, you know, mere five days later, Jesus would be hanging on a cross. And so there's always this mixed feeling around Palm Sunday because it invites us into, the, into what the church has historically called the Holy Week. It's a week that leads us into the cross and then ultimately into Resurrection Sunday, Easter Sunday. Our series as more than a few of you know, and by the way, I just want to say hello to all of you who are joining us right now. And if you're joining us for the first time, I'm Pastor Terry, lead pastor here at Cornerstone Church in San Francisco. But our series has been called, I Am, Finding Your Story in the Story of Jesus. And it has everything to do with the declarations that Jesus made that are recorded in John's gospel. He made seven of them. The I Am declarations of Jesus. When he talked about he, how he was the bread of life. I am the bread of life. And then he said, I am the light of the world. I am the door. I am the good shepherd. And what we're going to look at and share this day, I am the resurrection and I am the life. Boy, that really does prepare us for uh, Easter week, doesn't it? I mean, come on. But this, this is also something that as we sat with this series, the I am series and the idea of it being more than just a study on these declarations that Jesus made, but it was also the idea of finding our story in his story, finding your story in the story of Jesus. That is, we learn how to ground our identity in him. It has to do with how we can truly find ourselves in a, in the midst of a culture that's trying to fit us in a, this category or this category or tell us who we're supposed to be, that the Lord invites us to find ourselves in him, to establish our truest identity in Jesus. Now, my message today is going to connect itself to the incident that occurred in John 11 that really set up this fifth declaration of Jesus. I mean, Jesus declared, I am the resurrection and the life out of a situation that was filled with pain, hurt, and loss. Uh, it, it actually was a, a, a moment of incredible loss that Jesus spoke these words around. And, and if I can just say this before we even dig in further, loss is a undeniable part of the human experience. And I do think that as we get older, we experience more of it. I do. And I could talk about that for a long time, but, but all in life, we, we have to deal with loss. Some of us have had to deal with loss at a very early part of our life. It's not easy to recover from loss. Loss is a reality of being alive. Something that, think about it, it we, as a human beings, we've all walked through this together. For these, just think about the last few years. Globally, we've all experienced loss. Even now, we're, we're having to walk through what it means to... You know, deal with so many of the losses that we're witnessing, that people are experiencing. So whether it's been a pandemic or war or the loss of a sense of peace and safety or 
the loss of our own well-being in the midst of all of these things. We all know loss. Some of us have actually lost people we love. There, have been, there has been relational fallout. That's a unique kind of loss. Some of us have lost our jobs. That's, you know, our, our careers or our sense of security has been affected. Some of us, we felt tremendous loss around health. Loss is everywhere. Some of us have lost people who meant so much to us. I, there's no other way to, to, to say this than that loss is part of the human experience. And it's been something that the first human beings dealt with since they were, by their own choice, affected by the impact of sin and brokenness entered into our world. And they were cast out of a place of safety and security out of the garden. And they went east of Eden, as we're told. And in a way, we've all been east of Eden ever since. And it's part of our reality. And every now and then we get reminded of it profoundly, whether in the big picture, in what's going on in our world, or whether in a very specific, personal way, as it relates to our world and experience. So I want to talk about what it means when we say that Jesus wants to be our friend, that he loves us, and that he, he will share our tears with us, what that means. And I do think it's appropriate as we make our way towards Easter because it reminds us of the love of God and his willingness to suffer loss himself, for he will be on a cross experiencing loss. He will know what it is like to suffer unfairly. He will know what it is like to be broken. He will lose his life so that we might have life. It's beautiful. But the incident that we want to explore is connected actually to someone else who had died. And we'll talk about that in a moment. It's found in John 11. And again, it's connected to the fifth statement, the fifth I am statement of Jesus when he says, I am the resurrection and the life. But I want to pray, Lord, even now, I just invite you into this time that I'm sharing with my brothers and sisters and friends near and far. And I, I just, you know, we're connecting online right now. And I, I just want to ask that you would be with us in this coming week. I do. That this would be a special time for us to just turn our hearts towards you and receive the blessing that you have for us. And I would ask that that would happen even now as we share this word, this teaching, as we look at your words, as we look at how you interacted with some friends and did what, is, what may, may have been your most amazing and powerful healing that was ever recorded. It didn't happen like this anywhere else. It was a special moment, and we're going to look at it together. And my prayer is that you would speak to us along the way in Jesus' name. Amen. John 11, verse 17. Now, when Jesus came, he found that Lazarus had already been in the tomb four days. Bethany was near Jerusalem. It was about two miles off. So he's on his way to Jerusalem, but he's coming to Bethany because in Bethany he has friends. They're very special friends. Their names were Mary Martha and Lazarus. And they were two sisters and a brother. Martha was the oldest, Lazarus the youngest. And we know that something had happened. He, he was coming. It says that many of the Jews had come to Martha and Mary to console them concerning their brother, because we know that Lazarus had died and it had been four days. And Jesus is now on his way. 
And, you know, I'll just, if I can just say this at the beginning of the study, because I was talking about loss earlier, it's really hard to lose someone we love. And Mary and Martha had lost their brother. And Mary and Martha, by the way, and Lazarus were special friends of Jesus. They were not just anybody to him. They hold actually a unique place in his ministry, and they held a unique place in his life. He, they were his friends as well as his followers, and he loved them, and they loved him. But I mentioned it's hard to lose someone we love. It creates a, a unique kind of pain. I'll say it's an incomparable kind of pain that only those of us who have experienced it really understand I, I, I've known it, though I have to say I haven't known it deeply for many years. But once you have felt the loss of a loved one, you, you're affected by it. You know, I remember C.S. Lewis. You know how highly I think of C.S. Lewis, the great thinker-writer of the 20th century, great Christian apologist, that is, defender of... Uh, of the Christian faith, why he had a way of explaining things that made Christianity seem so sensible and relatable. He brought it to life in ways that very few have been able to do. And so his words actually still resonate with a lot of us today, even though we're living in a very different time. And C.S. Lewis had um, shared in, in, well, in his life, he, had, he was not married for a number of years. And when he finally decided to marry, he married someone who was dying, who he had fallen in love with. Her name was Joy. And it was a deathbed marriage. And Joy had bone cancer. And she wasn't actually expected to live. If you check the account out of what happened, he, they just both had assumed she was dying. But, and she was, but they thought she was going to be dying in that moment. What happened was she miraculously had a, another three years that were given to her. And they were able to share that time together in a way that they, neither of them had thought was even going to be possible until she finally succumbed to cancer at the age of 45. So, you know, but during that, time, I mean, he, during that time, he had fallen in love with her dearly. His love grew for her. He called her um, H in the book uh, that he wrote for her. Helen was her name. And uh, Helen Joy was her name. It was Joy Davidson, and he called her by her first name, Helen. And H is how he refers to her in his amazing book that he wrote as he wrestled with God through her loss called A Grief Observed. A Grief Observed. And in that book, I never forget, he, he described uh, the death of a beloved one like it was an, he said, an amputation. He says, early on, you, 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 you doesn't, it doesn't really, you think you still have that one with you. You, you, you feel that you do, but they're not there. It's, it's like, as if when your, your limb has been cut off and, and yet it still feels like it's with you. It, it's, he said, it's an, an odd sensation. And, when he was writing, one of the things he said, uh, and forget it, he said, her absence is like the sky. It's just spread over everything. And he says it, it, his whole, everything about, about 
her being gone affects his world, he says. He can't, it's just everywhere. And he, you know, and, and then he said some words that I actually wrote down. He says, you never know how much you really believe anything until it's truth or falsehood becomes a matter of life and death to you. These profound moments in life really distill what is in our soul and what we truly believe. And the reason that really has a great connect here is because that's exactly what was going on with Martha and Mary for their brother Lazarus had died. And now they were coming into contact with Jesus and they were having to work through some things. And let's walk through this together because this is so rich, so beautiful. Again, this is connecting to the fifth I am statement of Jesus as recorded in John's gospel. It says, so when Mar Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she went and she met him. But Mary remained seated in the house. Again, Mar Mary and Martha were sisters. And they and their younger brothers were not only followers of Jesus, but, but again, some of his closest friends. And Martha said to Jesus, Lord, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. Now, to appreciate this, these words, because we cannot hear the tone, we can only imagine it. But one of the things we know is that Jesus had not come right away. That when word had gotten to him, Jesus delayed. And Martha was frustrated that Jesus had not come sooner because if you had gotten here sooner, I believe you could have healed him. And, and, you know, that he would be, my brother would, Lazarus would be alive if you had just gotten here sooner and implied, made it a higher priority. I don't know what it was that kept you from coming, but he's gone now. He's been gone for four days. Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. That statement is both a statement of faith. If you had been here, he would be alive because you would have healed him. It's also a statement of this guy's frustration or disappointment. It's almost an accusation right there anyway. It's close. Martha said, Lord, if you'd been here, I don't know where you were, but my brother would not have died. Just, ah. If you read earlier, like I mentioned, earlier in the chapter, and it's worth checking out. When the news of Lazarus's illness and the seriousness of it arrived, Jesus actually delayed. And, and instead of hurrying, he had actually surprisingly taken his time, caught everybody off guard by it. And in his eyes, there was something else that was going on. In Martha's eyes, the delay had been fatal, devastating. For she was, again, convinced that Jesus was a healer and that if he arrived in time, her brother, her, his friend, would be alive. <laughs> but verse 22, but even now I know that whatever you ask from God, the reason I know that's true, because I know that whatever you ask from God, God will give it to you. And Jesus said to her, Martha, your brother will rise again. It's kind of, <laughs> it's kind of, <laughs> I don't believe Jesus meant it this way, but I, I have a suspicion Martha heard it this way. Like when someone says to us, 
when we're grieving the loss of someone that we love, well, at least you're going to see them again in heaven. And, and yes, yes, I, I, I believe that I do. And that, that is, thank you. I help. Those are helpful. I mean, yes, but it doesn't, doesn't change my loss now. So Martha said to him, in verse 24, I, yes, I know that he will rise again in the resurrection on the last day. I, I do believe that. I do believe that there is more to come and I will see him again. But then Jesus said to her, here it is. Here's the declaration. Here's the I am. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, though he die, yet shall he live. That, and by the way, this is the, the conquering promise that Jesus gives us. He gives this to all of us. It's a declaration that we are all invited to claim as our own, that by faith, if we will believe this, that there is more than just this life, that he is literally the conqueror of death. This is the life giver's declaration. It's so important for us to remember as we make our way towards Easter, because we're going to be celebrating the victory of Jesus and the, and the security of life to come, both life now and life to come as we gather at, and just make a joyful sound of gratitude unto the Lord, as so many people all over the world will be doing leading through this week and into that Easter Sunday. It's going to be special. It's going to be amazing. But I, you know, I want to go back because I remember as a young pastor, I was reading the commentary by probably my favorite commentator of all time, G. Campbell Morgan, who really was an expert on the, on the gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And he wrote a commentary on each of those four gospels. And Hey, if you, some of you want to do an increased study, you know, I encourage you, you go and order those books, G. Campbell Morgan. You can order it specifically for Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. There's dedicated volumes for each. But Morgan wrote this. He said, There fell from the lips of our Lord those wondrous words when he said, I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, though he were dead, yet shall he live. He said, There fell from the lips of our Lord those wondrous words, which surely in the moment she could not fully understand. Yet he uttered them to her, and so flooded her with light, the light that has been shining down the ages ever since. And then Morgan writes, the light that transfigures every graveyard. It changes everything. When that light is shown on the graveyard, it changes what death is, the light of Jesus. And then Jesus said, and everyone who lives and believes in me shall never die. And then looking at her, think about this one. Do you believe this? Martha, do you believe this? This, by the way, is the essence of Christianity. It is the supreme question. It is the question that we are all invited to answer. Do you believe what I am offering you? Do you believe that I am God's very son given for you? That if you receive me, you will have life. That I am the resurrection and the life. That death is not going to be the final word. The final word is life in me.
that God has sent me for this purpose. She said, yes, uh, Lord, I, 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 I don't, I don't know if I, well, I believe that you are the Christ. I believe that you are the Christ, the son of God who is coming into this world. That I, I, I don't know about what you're saying in the resurrection of the light, but what I, 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 I do believe, I know I can confess this. I believe you're Messiah and I believe that you are the son of God come for us. Come into this world for us. That I, I, I believe that, Lord. And, and, and in a way, I admire Martha because she went as far as her faith could take her. Look at verse 28. And when she had said this, she went and she, she, she called her sister Mary, saying in private, Mary, uh, the teacher is here. Because there was a room filled with, with friends and people who had come to mourn with them and grieve with them and and there were many people, many Jewish people from the village that were there as well. And many had traveled afar to be there. Uh, they were supporting the family by grieving with them. And so Martha said in private to Mary, the teacher is here. He's come. And, 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 and he's calling for you. And when she heard it, Mary, Martha's sister, rose quickly and, and went to him. And... Jesus, we're told, had not yet come into the village, but was still in the place where Martha had met him. So, Because remember, Martha had went to Jesus when she heard he was on his way and met him outside of the, of the town. And that's where Jesus still was. Because when they had their exchange, Martha comes back to the house, but Jesus had remained and lingered. And it says that when the, the Jews, their friends who were with her in the house, consoling her, saw that Mary had risen quickly and that she had gone out. They followed her, supposing that she was going to the tomb to weep there. They just assumed that she couldn't take it in, inside and needed to go back to where, Mar where Lazarus had been entombed and, and just weep there for him. And that she, overcoming her grief, had to get closer. And, and so it says, now when Mary came to, to where Jesus was and saw him, so what, where she was going was actually to find Jesus. And when she got to where he was and, and saw him, she fell at his feet, saying to him, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. And she was weeping. She was crying. Martha had been composed, but Mary was weeping. And, and also it says that the, the Jews, their friends, the townspeople who had come with her also were weeping. Everybody's weeping. Everybody's crying. They were doing it both because they felt it was appropriate and both because they were moved. And he was deeply moved in the spirit and greatly troubled, we're told. And I just think it's important to see the scene before us. There's just weeping everywhere. And you got to remember, he loves Mary. He loved this family. He loved them. She is the sensitive one, by the way, this Mary. This Mary of Bethany, she's the sensitive one to Martha's strong. Martha's the, the stronger one. She's the doer. Mary's the contemplative one. She's the sensitive one. She feels deeply. She thinks deeply. She, she touches Jesus. Martha came with kind of an ac accusatory tone, still with respect, but it was not 
broken the way that Mary was. Mary's, if you were here, Lord, was not saying, why didn't you come? It was, Lord, I just, I just so sad, right? I wish you would hear, I just so sad, you know, and, and that, that sad, that, that touched Jesus. And, you know, he, he reminded me of a, a short little quote that just seems to capture an aspect of grief and loss. And I just, I just loved it when I heard it. And I want to write it down and share it with you. Cause just that whole idea of what they were all feeling, the grief that was overwhelming and breaking her and touched Jesus. And I remember something that Jamie Anderson wrote. It was grief is just love with no place to go. Grief is just love with no place to go. And we know that Jesus was moved, wasn't he? Deeply moved, troubled because he loved her. And, 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 you know, he, he, her, her, her broken pain just touched him. And the son of man felt the touch of tears on his own cheek. And her pain, I think he saw in her weeping on the ground. I, I think Jesus felt the pain of humanity, the loss that we all feel, the, the pain that he actually was going to soon enter into and the darkness that would consume him and that he would address and overcome once and for all. But it, in so many ways, this, this exchange with Lazarus and Mary and Martha was a lead in for everything that was about to transpire as Jesus was going to end up giving himself and deal with death once and for all and rise again. But we're told here that, that he was affected by the emotions and the feelings and the brokenness and the loss and the grief, and the love that had no place to go. And, and he said, where have you laid him? And they said to him, Lord, come and see. And he is, and then the verse, the shortest verse in all the Bible, but so deep, such deep waters. When you understand its context, Jesus wept. John eleven thirty five. Jesus wept. Where have you laid him? He's, he's weeping. He's touched. Think about this. He knows where he's going himself. He's got the cross looming, but he pulls out and he is in this moment. Again, wherever you are, be all there. And, and Jesus is, is just touched by, by it all. And, and, you know, even though he intended to address the grief, that understanding of his intention did not preclude him from entering into the grief. He delays and joins us in our tears. He shares them. And by the way, I need to say this. Ultimately, he intends to wipe away every tear from the eyes of those who are willing to receive him and confess him in this life or we are told incredibly to believe that there is a life coming in which there is no tear, that every tear will be wiped away. What in the world will that be like? No more tears and no more sorrow and no more pain and no more loss. Wow. I cannot even imagine that. 
I cannot. And yet that is what we are reminded that we are being invited into. The celebration of Easter will have no end. Life evermore in the very presence of God, a new creation, a new created order, a new experience, a new Jerusalem, a new life. Even we are told the corruptive power of the grave will be finally erased. And that is the message of Easter. That is the resurrection story. But in the meantime, we are alive and between this life and the next, between as we are living our life or and the life that is to yet to come, between the now and the then, between the what is and the what is to come, the Lord, our friend, our true friend, joins us in our sorrows and shares our tears. And don't run past that. What a friend I have in Jesus. What a friend you have in Jesus. All our sins and griefs to bear. What a privilege to carry everything to God in prayer. Uh, he joins us in our sorrows. He joins us. He understands. He's been touched by our brokenness. And he joins us in our place of pain. Never forget that, even when he's going to heal it. Anyway, verse 36. So the Jews said, see how he loved him because they see Jesus weeping. And some said, could not he who opened the eyes of the blind man also have kept this man from dying? Different opinions are offered. He ignores them all. He focuses on the moment. Then Jesus, verse 38, deeply moved again, came to the tomb. It was a cave and a stone lay against it. And Jesus said, take away the stone. And Martha, the sister of the dead man said to him, Lord, by this time there will be an odor for he's been dead four days. What, what are you doing? Martha protests. She knew that after four days, the body would have been putrefied. The stench of death would surround them. No, no, Lord, what are you doing? It Clearly, she did not grasp the full significance of what Jesus had shared previously with her. And Jesus said to her, did not I tell you that if you believed, you would see the glory of God? It has always struck me that he told them to roll away the stone. I mean, because <laughs> you're going to see that in a moment. Jesus is going to say, roll away the stone, right? Take away the stone, he tells them. And in my mind, I go, what is easier to do? Bring a man back from life who's been dead for four days or say to a stone, roll away. But this is not a Marvel comic movie. And this is no superhero moment. This is the blending of heaven and earth. This is... God doing something supernatural, but it doesn't preclude the practical. What he's about to do is, is going to break the laws of everything we know about the constraint of life because he is the resurrection and the life. But it is also going to require a practical thing. Move the stone away. And they did. So they took the stone away, verse 41. And Jesus lifted up his eyes and he said, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. I knew that you always hear me, but I said this on account of the people standing around that they may believe that you sent me. And when he said these things, he cried out with a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. And the man who had died <laughs> came out, his hands and feet bound with linen, barely able to move, maybe even hopping, S linen strips, Face wrapped with a cloth, Jesus said to them, Unbind him and let him go. 
And isn't that exactly what Jesus did for you and me? He unwrapped us. He, un he unbound us, right? Set us free. You know what we're told is that afterwards, Jesus then began his journey to Jerusalem that ultimately led him to the cross, through the cross, into the tomb and out of it. It's an invitation that you and I are being invited to enter into in a special way this week. This holy week, we get to also make our way to Jerusalem to celebrate the one who loved us so much that he was willing to give everything for us and the one whom death could not hold. Yeah, I'm talking about he who is the resurrection and the life. I've got a little bit more to share. Just one more thought about Lazarus that I want us to carry home. We're going to share that after we have a song here, but I do want to remind everybody it's the time that I get to do it about our tithes and our offerings and our giving. And listen, you've been amazing, but you can send those in. You can go online or you can go through the app. It's what I do. But like I say, let's first give him our heart. So with that in mind, here we go.
you know, it should be remembered that Lazarus <laughs> was raised, but he ended up dying. Like what Jesus did in him was only meant to be for a little while. The best was yet to come and so it is for you and me. But in the meantime, like I've been saying, between the now and the then, between our lives now and the promise that awaits us because of the resurrection and the life, we also have been given this invitation to live in the freedom that he gives us. Literally, he says to us, unbind him, unbind her. The Lord doesn't want us bound by anything. Remember that loved ones. He wants us free. Lord, come in the places where we are most wrapped up and let these grave cloths be removed. We want to see you. We want to walk with you. We want to keep our hearts tender. We want to stay alive. We want to be real, open, right? Open to your touch. Oh, resurrection and the life, work your life in us. That's our prayer in Jesus' name.